But I do just want to come with a very simple word. I don't come in here tonight with anything, you know, revelatory necessarily. I just felt impressed in my heart to remind God's people about the goodness of the Lord. I think sometimes the enemy comes and even for believers, he, re- he tries to sow this seed of doubt in our hearts. Even people that are saved, they're redeemed, they're on their way to heaven. There's this element in our minds, if we're not careful in our hearts, to where we begin to question the goodness of God, maybe even toward us. The fact is, God created a perfect world. and He created two perfect people in it. And all it took was one act of sinful disobedience to wreck the whole for the rest of us. Just one act of sinful disobedience. It corrupted it. The likes of which have progressively gotten worse over the millennia. And we, we feel the impacts of that today. The very earth itself feels the impact of the fall. We feel it in our bodies we know that we're going to die and we, we sense it in brokenness, broken relationships, broken health, broken physical health, broken mental health. On and on, we, we suffer the consequences of the fall. And I think as time goes on, there's this sense of for the believers to where we're trying to hang on to the truth of God's word to where we're trying to cling to the truth of God's word, understanding that as times get worse and that we are in a real spiritual warfare. How many of you believe that? Spiritual warfare is real. It comes to our doorsteps when we don't want it, when we don't anticipate it, where we're not looking to pick a fight. It's there. We, we exist in it. We live in it. And I have learned that, as many of you have, that there's really nothing in the world that can satisfy. When we get to heaven one day, everything that we have gone through, everything that we have endured as good soldiers, as Paul told Timothy, everything that we have put up with and lived with and endured, sometimes for years and years and years, it's all going to be worth it. Do you believe that? No more tears. No no more tears of sadness anyway. I believe we're going to cry tears of joy all the time. No more sadness. No more depression. No more oppression. No more brokenness. Perfect unity with each other. Perfect unity and fellowship with God Almighty. The very thing that Adam and Eve forsook in the garden will be restored to each and every one of us. The scripture declares that that in the cool of the evening, God would come down and fellowship with Adam and Eve. Now, don't really know how that played out. You know, we don't... We don't understand exactly how that happened. But can you imagine what it's going to be like one day to walk on the streets of gold with Jesus at your side? That's going to happen. Literal. Physical. Jesus and you walking together, talking together, fellowshipping together. And some people say, well, is he going to have time for me? Yes, he is. He's going to have all eternity. All of eternity to spend time with you. To fellowship with you. 
You see, this world, it really is not our home. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. The Bible says that we are more akin to being sojourners. We're just kind of passing through. We're on our way somewhere else. And I think because we are sojourners, one, one translation says we're like pilgrims. I think it's because we're like pilgrims in this unholy land. That's what makes it so hard on us. It's not natural to us. Because for the saved person, for the truly redeemed person, it's not saying we're sinless perfection. Come on, I, I, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. But for the saved person, there's a bunch of stuff about this world that drives you crazy. Gets under your skin, it repulses you, it, it aggravates you and all this kind of stuff. And so we don't fit in. We don't belong. We're here, but we don't really belong because... We know there's something so much better. We know there is something so much better. We're different than the rest of the world, or we should be. Come on. We should be different. When I die, or if the Lord comes and raptures us out of this place, I am going somewhere so much better. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man the things that God has got prepared for those that love him. I mean, on this very earth right now, we, we hear of an uptick of earthquakes. Heard the other day that there's an average of, and I could be getting my numbers wrong, but I think they said 55 earthquakes on this earth. And just a few days ago, it had went up to 400 and something in one day. Earthquakes all over the world. Storms, you know, disease, war, obviously. Pain, brokenness that we see, starvation. But I'm going somewhere better. I'm going somewhere better because God is good. He has more. He has better prepared for his children. Now, how do we know this? Because by God's very character and by his very nature, we know that God is good. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. He says, the Lord is gracious. And is full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. Somebody say amen. amen. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Here's the facts. Is that God is good to every single nation. He is good to every single tribe. He's good to every single culture. He is good to every single sect. He is good to the saved. And God is so good... He even has a general goodness on the unsaved. God is that good. Somebody say amen. He's slow to anger. And not only is he a good God, but here's what's even more truthful, more powerful. Not only is he God, but he's your father. Did you get that? He is your heavenly father. He is generous. And he is kind and he is loving. And if the truth be told, without getting in anybody's business, some of us come from homes where maybe dad was not that. Maybe where dad was not that loving and was not kind and was not generous. He was absent. He was abandoned, uh, abandoned you and the family. And so 
I think what happens is sometimes we get that image of God since he's the heavenly father and we project this image on him and we think that God gets tired of us at times and we think that God will abandon us at times. But I want you to understand God will never be tired of being generous toward you. God never grows weary of showing kindness toward you. God never is, is weary and tired of loving you and loving on you. You see, we, we keep record. We keep receipts when we're generous. You pick one up every tax, tax season right out front. We keep record of it. We keep a mental record of it whenever we are kind and generous to people. And, and it's one of these things of you scratch my back and I'll scratch your back. But not God. Because it is part of his very nature to be that way all of the time. To be loving and to be kind and to be generous. Yes, of course he's holy. Yes, of course he's a judge. He's all these things. But toward God's people, he will never grow weary of taking care of you. He will never grow weary of wanting to be with you. He will always want to show kindness and goodness and generosity and a loving attitude toward you. We might grow tired of it, but God never will. He never will. We think because we change that God changes. In fact, the scripture says God does not change. He will never change. He says, I am the Lord your God. I do not change. He will never change his mind about you. Somebody say amen. He loved you from the beginning. He loves you now. He'll never stop loving you. Another thing about God is that he does, he does not sleep nor does he slumber. Meaning he is constantly attentive towards you. God's not lazy. Amen. God is not lazy. I remember one time, I don't remember who said it, but I remember someone uh, relaying this experience that they had with the Lord where they said that they, they couldn't rest, they couldn't sleep. They had, they had just days and days and days where they just couldn't rest. They were so full of anxiety and, and they would just pray and they just lived in this state of worry and fear. And finally one night they just prayed, Oh God, Help me get some rest. I'm tired and I just can't sleep. And they said that it was like the Spirit of the Lord just come and spoke to him and said, Go to sleep. I've got the watch. Go to sleep. I've got the watch. Do you know what it is for God to have the watch? That's like a military term. If you've ever served in the military and you put somebody on the watch or something like that, God is saying, Go get some rest. I'll take care of any problem that shows up tonight. You lay your head down. God is so attentive. He's so kind. He never gets tired. He never rests. He isn't weird. He has got you covered, church. Culture changes. Times and society changes. Oh, Lord, does it ever. Technology changes. People change. But God is good and he is unchanging. He is constant. He is your bedrock. He is your foundation on which everything else should be Built. Here's another thing. You might be bad. 
but God is good. Your beliefs about him do not change him. You may have faulty, wrong beliefs about God, but God does not change to accommodate you. He stays good. And when you become awareness of the, aware of his goodness, it will impact your life. In fact, the Bible points out that every good and perfect gift is from above. You didn't have that big idea. You didn't have that fresh take. You didn't have that new invention. That was a good and perfect gift coming down from God. You say, Josh, what are you getting at tonight? I'm trying to get you to understand and reject this lie that God is not good. He is so good. And he is about to manifest his goodness in the days to come in the face of everything that we see going on. I want to give you just three quick points tonight. Just some just simple things, simple points about the goodness of God. And we could talk about all different kinds of ways that God is good toward us. But one of the things that I felt impressed to bring up is that God provides for us. God is so good that he provides for us. When I cannot provide for myself and I don't deserve it, he does. And he always provides. It's in his very nature. How do I know that? Well, he provided the best substitute ever, Jesus himself. What I could not do for myself, paying, owing a debt I could never pay, God says, I have you covered. I have you covered through Christ. The biggest debt I could ever owe, Jesus paid for me. If he, and that's what the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, if he who did not forsake his only son, but gave him up, how much will he also give you all good things? If God the Father is willing to give you his one and only son, don't think for a second he won't take care of you in all of the other things. Yes, it's true, sin entered the world through one man, but also through one man as did righteousness. All because of the goodness of God. Simply, God, we, we can have right standing with the Lord simply because we have Faith in God, faith in Christ, grace through, you have, if we have the grace of God through Christ, we can be in right standing with the Lord. John three sixteen. we all know it. What more does God need to do to prove that he's good? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What more does God need to do to prove that he is good? Somebody say amen. God so loved the world that he provided the perfect spotless lamb, the lamb of God. And because of Jesus, we can have access to the Father. We can have access to the Father. That means we have access to heaven. Without Jesus, we would have no shot. But because of the goodness of God, because he provides. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, very well-known scripture. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from man's work, so that no man can boast. It's free. How many things in life do you know that are truly free? That many. There's always a catch. There's always something. But salvation is truly free. So, one of the things that you need to understand is that whenever you accept Christ, you become his child. How many of you have children? How many of you want to take care of them by virtue of the fact that they are your child? 
That's it. Did they ever do anything for you? Except cause pain? I'm joking. Kind of. So, the reason the Lord accepts us is not by our worth. Are you hearing me now? Because we don't do anything that really impresses God. We don't do anything where God just says, I am so overwhelmed by how good of a job you did there. You know, you just do so, just come on into heaven. No, it's not by worth, it's by birth. God is good to us because we are his children. You see, the liar tells you that you're illegitimate and that others have more worth, more value than you. The liar says God listens to them but not to you. That's a lie. That is a straight up lie. By his character, we know that God will provide. The second thing is this. Number two, God will protect. Imagine when we get to heaven one day and we ask God to roll the film of all the things he's protected us from. Some of you, your movie film is going to be a lot longer than others, but... Think of the things that he saved us from, the potential mistakes, dumb decisions, accidents, bad relationships, horrible financial mistakes, on and on and on and on. Think of the ways in which that God provides and that he protects for us. God is so good at protecting you, he will even protect in times when you think you're good. You think everything is going along so well... But it's really not. And God, don't you know some of the guardian angels are just working 90 to nothing on some people. You know what I'm saying? We don't even see all that's coming at us. But God does. And let me just stop and say this. I, I, I say this a lot in my preaching and my teaching because I, I just feel like this is a, a truth that people need to grab a hold of. If there's something in your life that's going on, whether it's your fault or not, whether you allowed it to happen through your actions or not, if it's there, God can bring about something good from it. It's just that simple. Amen? That's true. You have to dwell on that. You have to hang on to that. We don't even see all of the things that come at us, the attacks, the strain and the stresses, the potential addictions. The assignments that the enemy throws against our lives, the struggle, the hurt that comes our way that's trying to take us out. And God says, no, even the things that are intended to harm you, God can turn around and use for good. Only God can do that. The liar, Satan, tries to get you to question why God is keeping certain things from you. And we get to this point to where we feel like We want to pitch in the towel where we want to give up on God. Not understanding that ultimately God provides and that he does protect. Think of the Ten Commandments. You say, how in the world can you bring the Ten Commandments into a discussion like this? When you look at the Ten Commandments like in Exodus chapter 20, 
God didn't give the commandments and the law to be a killjoy. I can tell people that and they look at me like, okay. But here's the facts of the matter. Let's talk about coveting for just a second. Why would God tell people not to covet? Why would God say, hey, don't dwell on that. Don't covet what your neighbor has. It's because he knows that if you sit there and you dwell on something and you covet something long enough, it will kill your very soul. It will destroy your mind, your will, and your emotions. You dwell on something and you long for it and you want it and you, what happens is you begin to magnify what God is doing for somebody else and you downplay what God is doing for you. And God says, you know, look, they're blessed, but you're blessed in a different way. I'll bless you. Hang on. What about when the Lord says, hey, take a break every seven days? That's part of the commandments. Why would God say that? Did you know that's really part of his protection plan for you? Take a break every seven days. It's part of God's protection plan. You say, what do you mean by that? In other words, don't get burnt out. Some of you need to learn to just stop and take a break. We live in a culture and a society where, you know, one of the things that everybody brags about, what have you been doing? Hey, man, how are you? Oh, I've been working myself to death, 90 hours, 100 hours a week, like it's some sort of badge of honor. No, if you're doing it that much, you're not doing the break like God wants you to. God's so good, he even gives a protection plan that says, hey, take a break. On and on and on I could go about the different ways in which God protects us. But when it comes to the things the Lord protects us from, we tend to think, no, I'm fine. I got it. I'm covered. I can indulge. It won't hurt me. Like we're some sort of exception to the rule. God protects us because he knows what we can handle. And I've heard it said before, and they get this out of 1 Corinthians, I think it is, where it says that the Lord won't put more on you than you can handle. Oh, yes, he will. Yeah, he will. You say, well, is the word a liar? No, no, no. You need to keep that in context. God won't allow any more to come on you than you can handle as long as you have his help. He's got to be right in the middle of whatever it is that's going on that you're trying to handle. If you remove him from the equation, it will overwhelm you. And that's not God allowing it to happen. You've removed him from the equation. You're the one allowing it to happen. That was free tonight. God is protective by nature. Because he is a good father. How many fathers are in the house? How many of you would die for your children? If it came to that. Of course you would. God is a good father because he protects our hearts. He wants to protect our souls. He wants to protect our very future. Just like any good father would. The third point is this. His presence, his presence lets me know that he is good. You ever been in the presence of certain people that just lifts you up? There's something about their presence that is just good. And it just, it it builds you up just to be around him. It excites you. You see, the enemy wants you to feel afraid of God. The enemy wants you to feel afraid of God and and feel condemned even before you approach him. That's why so many people have a trouble with the notion of God the Father. 
It's hard. Because they believed a lie about him. They believed a lie that he isn't good. But when you get in his presence, you know that God is good. You know that he's good. I love what the scripture says in Psalms 34 verse 8 where it says, Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Taste and see. How many of you like to taste new things? We were in Italy here a couple months ago. And I got to taste and see a lot of phenomenal food. And some of the things that you would taste, I mean, you would just you know, be like, oh, I want more of that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're, you, know, you can remember times in your past, wherever, maybe your mom was cooking something, she would give you a taste of something, and oh, immediately, I want more of that. You have a longing for whatever that thing is. And when you get in the presence of God, all of a sudden, you will feel joy. You say, well, you mean just getting in someone's presence will give me, yeah, if you get in the presence of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, he'll strengthen you. You just get in his presence and you will experience joy. You'll experience comfort. You will experience happiness. There won't be any more of this animosity and all this angst and all this stuff that goes on in so many people's lives. I want to bring this thing to a close. I want to give you a section out of Psalm chapter 91. Listen to what it says here. I love this chapter. I love it. Listen to what it says here. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. God the Father's shadow has got you covered. It's going to be all right. Verse 2 goes on to say, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Can you say that about many people? You can't about God. Because he's so good. Listen to what it says. This, this is about my favorite line right here. I, I nearly get Pentecostal right here. This is what he says. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. In other words, God says, I'm going to take care of this myself. I'm not going to send my angels to do it. God says, I'll come down and take care of you. God himself. I have to, I just, you know, my imagination says God the Father just steps up off the throne and he comes down and takes care of business for me. That's a good father. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net. He's not sending someone else to do it. He will do it by his personal presence. And what is his personal presence? The agent of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come down in times and comfort you and protect you. There is nothing that feels like God in and about you. Listen to what the psalmist said also in Psalm 73 verse 28. He says, but as for me... God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell you about all you do. I love that. The Lord's presence is my good. Being in God's presence directs my life. 
Being God's presence, it protects me, it guides me, it provides for me. People ask the question, well, can you define the good that's for you? You see, here's the thing. People look for good in all kinds of things. They look for good to satisfy in their life in all kinds of ways, through all kinds of things. Drugs, alcohol, sex, addictions, on and on and on. And if you're not careful, you can waste your life on those things. But I just want to encourage you tonight, get into his presence. You say, well, Josh, it's been a while since I've just had time of just me and God in his presence. Try it through simple prayer. I was talking to somebody a few days ago. And they were just, I wouldn't dare mention any names, but they, would, they, were, they were talking about how they feel inadequate in their prayer life. That whenever they start talking to the Lord, they just feel dumb. They feel like they don't know how to pray. They don't know what to say. And I was grieved for that. I, I, I just, something hit me was like, man, it shouldn't be that way. Why? Why, why do you feel that way? Well, I don't know what to say. And sometimes I get repetitive. And I don't know all the churchy lingo. And I was like, stop. Just, just stop. If you want to get in God's presence, just talk to him like you normally would. Is this okay? All the these and the thous and the thines and all this kind of stuff. Just talk to Jesus. Amen? Talk to him in simple worship, simple praise. The Bible points out that God inhabits the praises of his people. You start praising the Lord, I don't care where you are, what you're going through, God will show up. He can't help. He's got to live up to his promise. He'll inhabit the praise. He's got to. Simple talk to him. Don't overcomplicate it. If you don't know what else to say, if you don't know what else to say, just say the name of Jesus. Would you stand tonight? I told you this wasn't going to be complicated. It wasn't going to be long. Lots of serious, serious stuff going on in the world. Impacts all kinds of people. Stuff that might not seem like a big deal is a big deal. In fact, I was talking to a guy the other day. We were talking about, you know, it, 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 in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But it is a big deal. We were talking about auto insurance. I was telling him how my auto insurance shot up almost $300 a month. And it's the cheapest rate we could get to keep the same coverage, all this kind of stuff. And he said, man, he said, my homeowner's insurance more than doubled. He said it went from $2,500 a month to over $5,000, or I'm sorry, $2,500 a year to over $5,000 a year. And he said, I really, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And there was this fear, there was this worry. And then the, then the conversation went on to like, man, he's like, I just, I'm tapped financially. I don't know how we're going to make it. And you could see this just fear and this worry and just this, is this okay? This is just real life stuff right here, right? This is just everyday stuff. And I just prayed a simple prayer with him. I said, you know what? We're going to believe God for $2,500. We're just going to trust God for $2,500 to help you out on this deal. And I'm believing God's going to come through for him. But my point is, before we prayed, he was just... And after we prayed, he was just like, God's going to do it, ain't he? I mean, God, I don't know how. He's going to do it somehow, some way, ain't he? I'm like, yeah, he's going to do it. 
And why can I say God's going to? Because he's good. He's good. And some of you, maybe your, your things, your, your struggles, your problems, your issues are way bigger than 2,500 bucks over, over the span of a year. Maybe it's way bigger than that. But I want you to hear me tonight. God is good. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are in here and you're going through this struggle, maybe you've, you've your notion of the goodness of God has been matched up your life circumstances. And it's in question. It's in question. You've got some struggles. You've got some things going on. You don't know how God's going to do it. You don't know if God will do it. You, you, you have these thoughts where you say, well, God, you do it for them all the time. Are you going to do it for me? God, what's so different for them? Why are you doing it for them, but you won't do it for me? Does God love them more than he loves me? It's just all these thoughts all the times. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand tonight. Thank you. Come on, raise them high. Thank you. We got a few hands that's went up. I think if we'll be honest, I think every single one of us has been there at some point in our lives. If we'll be honest. And one of the foundational things that you have to understand right out of the gate is that the Word of God is true. And the Word of God points out that God is good and that He is for you. He is not against you. Yes, He will allow life circumstances at times to get hard. Maybe it is a time of testing. Maybe it is a trial. Maybe it is something that He's using to grow you and develop you and mature you. He's got bigger things in mind than the problem at hand. That could be the case. But even then, you have to step back and you have to trust in the goodness of God. We've all been there. We've all went through these kinds of struggles. And I want to invite you, if you raised your hand, maybe, maybe you're here and you didn't raise your hand, but you, you feel led to now. I want to invite you to come tonight because we want to pray for you. Come on, those of you that raised your hand. There's a few. There was a few. Come on. Be bold. Be brave. Come on. Yes. Come on. Just stand right up here. Any more? Any more takers? Church, how many of you can identify with these that have come? We've all been there at times. Amen. We got another one. Can I get some prayer warriors up here for just a few moments? Here's our prayer. Here's our prayer. This is what I want you to understand. I know I'm being repetitive, but I want you to get this way down deep. I want you to get it in your mind. I want you to get it in your heart. That God is good. And that he's going to take care of you. That he's going to bless you. Church, would you stretch your hands this way for just a few moments? And let's pray with these. Let's pray for some victory. Let's pray for some breakthrough up here. Trusting in the goodness of the Lord. Those of you that have seen the goodness of the Lord, I invite you to pray like you've never prayed before while we pray with these tonight.
walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall but you have never failed me For chains to come, knowing the battle's won. For you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands and this is my confidence you never failed me yet. you never failed me and I know the night You're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Still in your hands, this is my confidence. You never fail me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my
tonight some of them for physical healing some of them for physical healing just just wondering why God why when God when how many of you believe the Lord can heal them tonight amen father we come to you in the name of Jesus and Lord as we go about our day as we go about this week Lord, we're all going to be encountering life we're all going to be encountering different issues we have different struggles different things we're gonna turn on the news and we're going to see things. We're going to see development. We're going to, we're going to get reports about our homes, about our health. God, but you're still good. In spite of it all, you're still good. And we're going to trust you. And we're going to love you. And we're going to believe in you. In Jesus' mighty name. And all the church said amen. Amen.